Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Well, this is part three of Am I My Brother's Keeper? Am I My Brother's Keeper? Before we get into the focus of tonight, we're going to do just a brief looking back at part two. And in part two, we discovered that our responsibility as my brother's keeper is to love. It is to love. We discovered that love in this context, as we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love in the Greek is agape. And it is translated charity, meaning benevolent love. Its benevolence, however, is not shown by doing what the person loved desires, but what the one who loved deems, but excuse me, but what the one who loves deems as needed by the one loved. That's agape. We looked again at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the excellence of love. The excellence of love. Let's look real quick at John chapter 13, verse 34. John chapter 13, verse 34. John 13, starting at verse 34. And it reads, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our logo as Christians is love. That's our brand. That's our logo. It's love. It's not our gifts. It's not our talents. It's not our accomplishment. It's not our service. But it is the love that we have for one another. We learned as we studied 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul does not give a conditional clause. He says that love is patient, love is kind, so on and so on and so on. He does not say that I or you can stop loving when things don't go our way. There is no condition to the excellence of love. In the church of Corinth, there was a lot going on. They were taking each other to court. The poor were not being taken care of. 
others were eating before them. So there was a lot going on. And the apostle Paul had to stop from talking about gifts and deal with the issue of love. We learned that love is eternal. While everything else will pass away, gifts, tongues, knowledge, but what will remain is love. Heaven, if your plan is to go there, will be filled with love. That's if you plan on going there. Love is eternal. And so we understand that our responsibility as our brother's keeper is to love. And so as we continue to climb, tonight our focus is going to be then, what is my role? What part do I play in guarding and protecting my brother? Our role as I began to study over these past few weeks, what I realized was that our role is that of bodybuilders. Uh-huh. Bodybuilders. We are those designed to build the body up. You are sitting next to a person who has been designed to build you up. We help one another build muscle, trim the fat. Pastor Rama's not here, but she gave me that. We help one another to trim the fat. And how many know, of us know that's not always pretty and it's not always easy, but it's necessary. We are a part of one another's transformation. That's why we need one another because we are a part of one another's transformation. Salvation, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, was instant. The Christian life happens over time. And so it is important to understand that we're not always going to do things perfectly, but we can do this life well. We can be bodybuilders in the lives of one another. Not that we will always be perfect, but we can do it well in the name of Jesus. And so as we evaluate our position, 
What does it look like? What does a bodybuilder in the kingdom look like? Tell the next person next to you, you are a bodybuilder. You are a bodybuilder. And you know what bodybuilders do? We reconcile broken relationships. Ah. We reconcile broken relationships. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You're going to want to look at this. So you get your Bible, you get your iPad, whatever you need to get. But it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. We are bodybuilders and we reconcile broken relationships. Why? Because it's important to God. It's important to God. And he's our father. We have been created in his image. And so we have the capacity to be those that help others to reconcile. And it can also happen in our own relationships. He is in the business, our God, our father, of reconciliation, and so should we. When we look at chapter 5, verse 21, and I'm going to start reading, and we're going to try to go verse by verse. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, look at Jesus. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He always had a way, and even today, of taking things to a whole nother level. Just when you think you got, and I think we got one thing down, he takes it to a whole nother level. And he did, does it right here too. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, Jesus is speaking to those who knew the law. They knew the law. So, and, and not only did they, know, they knew the law, but they also, of course, taught it. And they taught that premeditated murder was liable to the sword of justice, which was death. Now, back in that day, you were either beheaded, you were either stoned, or you were burned. Now, if you were burned, now murder is bad enough, but if you were burned, that means you did something extremely reprehensible if you were burned. Three ways that they dealt with that. And so they understood and they knew the law. But Jesus in verse 22, again, takes that sixth commandment 
to a whole nother level of understanding that what they believed in a sense was faulty because of this. Murder is an outward expression. But Jesus takes it to a place to say, wait a minute, it's not just an outward expression, but it's also something that can take place in the heart. It's also an internal issue. And that's what he begins to deal with. Understand, it's not just outward, but it's also an issue of the heart. Because I may not physically take a knife and go stab once someone, but in my heart, if I want to, I'm still guilty. So Jesus, he examines not just what appears on the outside, but he examines again what takes place on the inside of us. He examines our thinking. So it's not just an outward expression, but it's also inward. Anger is a natural emotion. And there are cases when it is in situations when it is lawful. However, it is sinful when there is no real merit, there's no grounds, and it's trivial. Looking again at verse 22, because what ends up happening at times in one's anger, as we see occurring in verse 22, is an individual can then become verbally abusive. Raka, fool. That's what anger can do. And so anger that produces a good end is not sinful. For instance, I could be angry at the number of children, babies, unborn babies, that are not born every day because of abortion. That angers me. That angers you. So then what that could potentially do for me that a good end would result is I go to a crisis pregnancy clinic and I volunteer. And I volunteer to help women in crises. That they, giving them hope, giving them, offering them resources. That they would come to understand that they're not by themselves, that they're not alone, but there is help. That, that's a good end. A sinful end, a bad end, is to go take a bomb into an abortion clinic and blow it up. What's sinful is then to go and kill, murder a doctor that performs abortions. That's not a good end. That's sinful. Let's go on to verse 23. We're going somewhere. 23 says, 
If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. That's where we're going. God wants us as bodybuilders to mend broken relationships. And he wants us to do it quickly. And the reason why he wants us to do it quickly is because it interferes or it makes us unfit for worship. Isn't that something? Uh Uh-huh. It makes us unfit for worship when we are at odds with one another and we have not reconciled. He says to leave your gift. The word says, Jesus says, to leave it and go be reconciled to your brother because it makes us unfit for prayer. It makes us unfit for the Lord's Supper and it makes us unfit for works of service. So the passage says, that your brother has something against you. Now, there are times when there was an actual offense done or an actual offense did occur. But then there are times when it's something that the individual is based on their view or their opinion. I'll put it that way. It's based on their view or on, your opi- on, on their opinion. However, we are still to go get things right and go get things straight. Two things. If you have something against your brother or sister and they come to you to restore that relationship, your response and my response is to forgive. That, that's our response. Our response is to forgive. I know we want to go around and around and around, and we want to tell them, you know, how much they hurt us. And, you know, at, you know if, you were, if you're the offender, then just listen. Okay? Just listen. Because if you are the offender, then you and I need to humble ourselves. Because we don't go, if you're the offender, we don't go with no arrogant attitude. Humble. That's how we go. We go humble. Matthew 11, excuse me, Mark 11, 25, and you don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, 
so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions. This is serious. So if you are the offender, we go humble. You go humble. Look at verse 24 um, again, uh, because I want to make a point here. It says, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Leave your offering, and at, the, and at the end of that verse it says, present your offering. And, and the reason why I wanted to point that out is because, again, remember, we have to do it quickly because it makes us, when we are not reconciled and we have ought against one another, it makes us unfit for worship. As powerful as the 11 o'clock worship was, this past Sunday, and I'm sure at Fresh Start, it was just as powerful. But think about that. If we have a congregation full of those of us who are quarreling, who have issue with one another, all of that worship was for nothing. It was for nothing. The music was beautiful. The instruments sounded good. But all God heard was a bunch of mess. Remember, we are mess menders. So we need to Deal with the mess. We're mess menders. Mm-hmm. And so, leave your gift and then come back. And the reason why I wanted to point that out is because what happens at times when we are in dispute or we have issues or unresolved quarrels with one another, that the tendency is to leave. I'm just going to move on to another ministry. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm really, I'm leaving my gift and I'm not coming back. But the word says to leave it and to leave it so that we can go back to the place where we left it and pick it back up again. You hear what I'm saying? The place where we left it, not down the street at First Baptist Church or whatever, whatever, but the place where we left it. Many of us have a whole lot of gift that we done left at this place, at that place, at that place, at that place. Never went back. Never went back. So we have no excuse. Leave, be reconciled, 
go back. That's the word. And so those who wronged us, we must forgive. Because one sin is never an excuse for another. It is never an excuse for another. Never. So those who wronged us, we must forgive. And those whom we have wronged, we must seek restoration. We must seek restoration. And the reason why we must seek restoration, excuse me, so that the fault does not rest on you. Now, I know this now. I do know. Well, one, it takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. And so there will be occasion when you go to reconcile that the person just won't receive you. And that happens. But the key is that it is your desire to reconcile with this person. That's what God sees. Your desire to reconcile with them. So when they don't receive, you have to put it in the hands of God. You got to take your mouth off of it. You hear what I'm saying? You got to take that mouth off of it and not involve Everybody else. Because in it, we are still our brother's keeper. We are still, even though they are rejecting us, they're rejecting my attempt to reconcile with them. It does not take away that I am still a bodybuilder and I am still my brother's keeper. It does not negate that. So I must still guard and protect them. That's why I take my mouth off of it, and that's why I don't involve 10 and 20 other people in it. I want us to look at a a story for a moment because I love her life. I love Rispa. And Rispa is found in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. I love her story. And I'm going to start reading. And starting at, uh, excuse me, it's chapter 21 of 2 Samuel, starting at verse 7. It says, but the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath of the Lord, which was between them, between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. So the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, Armani, excuse me, Armani, and Mephibosheth, whom she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Merab, the daughter of Saul, whom she had borne to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Methalite. Then he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonite, 
Now these are her sons, Rispa and Merab's sons. The king, David, gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the mountain before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together, and they were put to death in the first days of harvest at the beginning of barley harvest. Verse 10, and Rispa, the daughter of Iod, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until it rained on them from the sky. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. Rispa was a concubine of Saul. Her two sons are murdered, but she watches over their dead bodies for five months. For five months, she watches over their bodies. Can you imagine? Because you can picture in your mind what's going, the, 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 the bodies are decomposing. Probably five months, they probably were nothing but bones. But Rispa fought birds, probably vultures. She probably fought dogs. But she was determined that even in their death, they would be honored. Even in their death. And I wanted us to read that because even in the death seemingly of a relationship between a brother and a sister or between a sister and a sister and vice versa, even though it may seem like that relationship is dead, we are still to honor it. We are still to honor it. And as our brother's keeper, we're to keep the dogs at bay. We're to keep the vultures away. We are still to honor that relationship, even though it seems like a dead situation. That's love. That's devotion. And it honors God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. And then we need to move on. Matthew chapter 5. This is a serious thing, position that we have been called to. It is. 
And it's something that we cannot take lightly. Verse 25, it says, Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way in order that your opponent may not deliver you to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you shall not come out until you have paid the last cent. We must reconcile quickly. I admonish you today, do it quickly. It may not be easy, but it's required. And it's required for us in the community of faith. It's required of us. Because what it does, as long as it's not reconciled, as long as it's still open, it exposes you and I to danger. It keeps us open and opens us up to the schemes of the enemy. It really does. So do it quickly. Do it quickly. Let's move on. As bodybuilders, we are to reconcile broken relationships and we are to bear one another's burdens. And he's like, oh, man. Oh, man. You know, it seems like it's getting worse. But no, it's getting good. It's getting good. Mm -hmm. We are to bear one another's burdens. In Galatians chapter 6, and just turn there real quick, Galatians chapter 6. Don't you love God's word? Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to start reading, but it's Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. It says, Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love. Okay? Fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one shall bear his own load. There's no contradiction here, and we're going to clear that up in a minute. Because in the verse 1, we see, or excuse me, verse 2, it says that we ought to bear one another's burdens. And then we get down into verse 5, and it says, but each one should bear his own load. No contradiction. We're going to clear that up. We are those who help others. We are those who help others, and we help others to put things back in the appropriate place when we get out of alignment. We help one another get back to that place, spiritually speaking. Because what happens in burden here is referring to a, a situation where it is too much for the person to handle. And that's where we come in. And we can come in, one, out of our own experience. 
because there is nothing new under the sun. And so that's how we can come alongside our brother and as our brother's keeper because while their load may be heavy for them, there's nothing new under the sun. Now, in this instance, it seems like this individual's load or burden is heavy as a result of sin. And there are consequences to sin. That we can't carry for one another. The consequences of sin have to be carried by that individual. However, we can come alongside of them because how many of us know that many places each other has been, we have been there too. We have messed up too. However, we must be careful. And we must be careful that we don't become And that's what the verses are talking about further down in 3 and 4, that we don't become conceited. That we don't become conceited or that we don't become intolerant of one another's error. That's where we have to be careful. We have to at times step back and we have to assess our own self. That's what the passage is saying, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, stepping back, examining myself, and giving God thanks for where he has brought me from. When an altar call is given for those who are involved in sexual sin, I don't sit back and say, ooh, I'm glad that's not me. No. No. I come up behind them. I lay my hands on them. I hold their hand. Let them know we standing with them. Now, do they have to carry the consequences of that sin? Yes, they do but I still come alongside because I'm my brother's keeper. Again, there's no contradiction between verses two, verse two and verse five because in verse two, burden represents a load, a heavy load that someone carries. But load in five is talking about that which is given every child of God by God to carry that no one else can share in. That's what it's talking about there, that no one else can share in. It's our load to bear. So, we're bodybuilders, 
We reconcile broken relationships. We bear one another's burdens. Three, we live a one another life. We live a one another life. And at the end of Bible study, excuse me, uh, there is a handout um, that you can have. And in that handout, there are, there's a list of the 59 one another verses in scripture. You don't have to go search for them. It's going to be put in your hand. There are 59 one another opportunities to choose from daily. 59 of them to choose from daily. We are a community designed to guard and protect one another. We are designed to build the body up, not to tear it down, but to build it up. To build it up. To build it up. Remember, at the very start, I said that this was not a series where you say, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. This is a series where we're doing introspection. We're doing introspection. We're assessing ourselves. We are, in essence, judging ourselves before God does. Before he does. He's giving us the opportunity to do it. I know we don't like that word. But we're going to look into it next week, though. Mm-hmm. So, let's look at our previous implications, and then we're going to close. Our previous implications, one, we have a responsibility to guard and protect one another. Two, love is essential among the brethren. Three, love should be our greatest aim. Not how many ministries I serve in. Not giving myself a pat on the back because I come to service every Sunday, but love should be our greatest aim. Tonight's implication, after listening to all of that, and me go on and on and on, tonight's implication, we can fulfill our obligation as our brother's keeper by living a one another life. By living a one another life. Because we are Christians or we're not. Christian 
meaning Christ-like, little Christ. We are either that or we're not. If we are, we will practice this word. If we are, we will practice the 59 one another verses. If we are, because if we are, we will think like Christ, we will talk like Christ, we will be like Christ, who did the ultimate for us. He gave his life as we are to give everything that we have to one another. And I know that that is not necessarily, not even a politically correct, but even in the kingdom it's not correct. But we are charged to give everything that we have to one another, even our very life. even our very life. So, application. If we are failing to be our brother's keeper, if we're failing, but we, we got one more night to go, but if we are, we need to repent for our inactivity, or whatever has hindered us. We need to confess our failings in these areas of reconciling, of bearing one another's burden, of living a one another life. And then we need to resolve. Repent, confess, resolve. So we don't stay at repentance, we don't stay at confession. We move on to resolve and we resolve to apply with passion the one another passages outlined in scripture. We resolve. And so every one of us here tonight, we are charged because our others and brothers and sisters, several hundred or so of them are not here. And so in this that I considered earlier a Kairos moment, a moment that will never get back again, then we are charged here with what we've heard, responsible for what we've heard. And so now we are to take it and give it to our other brothers and sisters. No one here tonight should be telling anyone, cut somebody off, nobody. Or, oh, just, just you, don't have to, you don't have to say nothing to them. You, you don't have to resolve, you know, uh-uh, just, just go on. Oh, you, you wanna go to church down the street? Go ahead. Go ahead, I'll come to your programs. No. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. 
For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.